What's happening, everybody? It is officially game day. Florida versus Utah tonight. We're going to talk all about with our buddy Brandon Olson. Also, Missouri, they open up tonight as well. It is officially SEC game day for a couple of folks as we look ahead to the weekend. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is presented to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every day, a potential hire can make it feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helping you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. And a guy who's covering his team every day, he is Brandon Olson. He is host of Locked On Gators. Brandon, it, we've been talking about it all, all summer. It's officially here. Florida plays a football game tonight. How excited are you? I, I don't think it's possible for me to be more excited for any. Like, like we were like three weeks out, and I was just like, I've been saying it. Like I'm, I'm foaming at the mouth for this game. So I, I've been waiting for it. And just uh, me and the Utah fans, we get along great. So, so we've been having <laughs> a lot of fun leading up to this one. Yeah, I know you had fun going back and forth with them last year with the with that opener, and uh, of course the Gators were. You know, a lot of people were picking Utah to win that game, and Florida was able to pull it out. And here we are. Kind of a little bit of deja vu. Everybody's picking Utah, but this line has kind of moved, and we'll start with the the elephant in the room, Cameron Rising. The quarterback from Utah gets hurt in the bowl game. Uh, I, I remember when the injury happened at the time, everybody's like, he's not going to be ready for the season opener. And I kind of like back in January ruled him out in this one. And here we are, uh, game tonight, and everywhere you go, it's it's back and forth. I know the, the official Utah depth chart came out a few days ago. They listed him as the starter. But Todd Whittingham, for the past week or so, has been saying, I don't know, man, it's kind of up in the air. Where are you with uh, with with uh, who? what quarterback Florida will be facing tonight? I think that, and I, I know that this sounds super homery to say, I don't think it matters too much who starts. I think Florida wins, but I, either way, it's going to be a close game. Like, I don't care if it's Cam Rousing, Bryson Barnes, whoever wins, it's going to be close. I think Florida wins. But I think when you look at Cam Rising, it's genuinely just not worth it from Utah's side to play him. I think I, I get it. You're playing. This is the big marquee matchup of Thursday night. You got, but this is just I don't think worth it to risk that. He's seven and a half months removed from a torn ACL. You really want to put him out there and just give him that he hasn't been practicing. He hasn't been cleared. You just want to throw him out there with a Gators defense that is going to be significantly more aggressive than they were last season. Austin Armstrong blitzed 40% of the time last year with Southern Miss. I think that number is going to drop a bit because he'll have better players. He probably won't have to blitz 40% of the time to generate pressure, but this is still going to be an incredibly aggressive Florida Gators defense. I, I just don't see a way in which they aren't blitzing as as often as they can or just generating pressure with their stunts and pressures creepers all that fun stuff that I, I nerd out about but if cam rising plays 
he's not going to be the mobile cam rising that we saw. And look, he's a great passer. I think he's one of the most underrated passers in college football. But last year against U- against Florida in that game, he picked up, I think it was 72 yards on scrambles and four first downs with his legs. He's not going to be able to do that. So that's that's my main reason for thinking, even if Cam Rising does start, I don't think Utah wins. And if it's Bryson Barnes, Florida, aggressive front seven, and on the back end, they're going to be mixing their coverages in the sense of every play, it's going to look the same pre-snap. And then once you snap the ball, things change. So if it's Bryson Barnes, he's inexperienced. As much as Utah fans don't want to acknowledge it, he's inexperienced. Yes, he played in 10 games. He has 200 snaps in his career, and 109 of them are him handing the football off. So no matter who it is, I think you have to go either not mobile but better at managing the offensive line there with Cam Rising or very inexperienced Bryson Barnes, who's going to be more mobile than Cam Rising. Either way, it's just I, I don't think it's awesome if you're Utah. Cause I, and that's what sucks, too, because this is always going to be a, a highly hyped game. But it sucks that we don't get, you know, healthy Cam Rising, healthy Utah versus Florida here. One more thought on Utah, and then we'll get into uh, what to expect with Florida. I, I was going back and watching some of that game last year, Brandon, and then looking at Utah's depth chart. And quarterback aside, it looks like there's a lot of new pieces here for Utah. New running back, Jaquindon Jackson, who comes over from Texas. Um, you know, a couple receivers the same, a couple defensive backs. I think Cole Bishop led them in tackles last year, but – um, I think that was mostly because Anthony Richardson was running the ball, so the safety, you know, Legion tackles. But what do you make kind of scouting report on this Utah team? How how similar do they look to last year? How different will they look tonight? I think they've got a lot of key pieces back that are that are going to really help you there. They've got Devon Bailey back at receiver, who he's I, I don't think he's one of those like scary types, but he he's a chain mover and and that's incredibly valuable. So I think bringing him back, Brant Keithy demolished Florida last year for his ACL and is now, you know, hadn't been practicing. And now we're going to see if he's really out here and if he's really going to be himself. Because we're talking about two players who are born ACLs, but one of them you have to get hit if you're Brent Keithy. So I, I think that's where we really change things for Brent Keithy's timelines ahead of Cam Rising. But Cam Rising, he doesn't have to get hit. He's going to if he plays, but he doesn't have to get hit. And I think defensively, I, I think Utah's got their pieces back. Their defensive line, for the most part, is just returning. They're going to have most of their front seven, really, is back. And Lander Barton is uh, more experienced. Last year, his first game against the Florida Gators, was, that was one heck of an opening to come out to. And then in the secondary, you're losing Clark Phillips the third if you're Utah. And that's that's the biggest change you could possibly get, losing arguably the top cornerback in the country last season. It, it, there's, I think you're losing some big-time players, but I think for Utah, you at least have a lot of your guys back. Even if it's we weren't starters last year, we were rotational pieces or, or whatever it was, they've been in the system and they're coming back, and that's a great thing for them. Uh, but again, I, I've said the, whole, the same thing about Florida this whole offseason. There's a lot of projection with whether guys will carry over and – I like to be realistic. I know that odds are not all of those guys are going to work out and live up to projection. So with Utah, it's just a matter of your guys that do step up and yeah, they played well in, in depth roles, but now they have to play every single snap might, might be a little tough for them. So hoping Florida can take advantage where, wherever they can. We talked about the Utah question, question marks, a quarterback, uh, Florida knows who their quarterback is. The question is, 
how good will he be? Uh, they announced Graham Mertz officially as a starter a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting because, you know, it's a guy who was very productive, started a lot of games, uh, was productive at Wisconsin. But some big question marks about, you know, big playability. Is this a guy who, you know, could take over a game, make the big plays? And, you know, I've heard most of the, the you know, analysts and people have called him a game manager. My thing is, there's nothing wrong with a game manager. You can win with a game manager. Um, you know, years ago, LSU won a championship with Matt Flynn, who some people called a game manager. So I think it could be done. But what's what's kind of the ceiling and what's the expectations for Graham Mertz? My expectations with Graham Mertz are not high at all. But like you mentioned, like you could win with a game manager. This is not a, a Florida team where realistic people are going they're going to be in the national title picture we don't need that i've said and i even said it on on the sec preview with you if you're bowl eligible for me that's a good that's a good year for florida i think that's where we're at just because i know things are going to be up and down graham mertz he, he's obviously not anthony richardson he doesn't have that dynamic playmaking ability that anthony richardson has however he's going to do this weird thing that florida couldn't do last year complete a slant complete a dig and anthony richardson struggled mightily with those and graham mertz i think that's the trade-off i think the offense overall is about as productive as it was last season but there's less explosive plays and it's more of just hey we're going to have these consistent sustained drives which is what billy napier wants to do and they've never been quiet about that before he even coached a game for the gators they came out here and they said hey We've won games at Louisiana that we weren't supposed to win because we came out, we dominated the clock, and we ran the football. They've, they've never been shy about that. That's what they want to do to you every single game. And I think with Graham Mertz, if you can do that, if he can manage that and you can run the ball and he can convert those third and shorts if you do want to throw it, if he can successfully operate that RPO style when they do bring it out, then, then I think he's doing his job. I don't need you to be exceptional in any way, shape, or form. I just need you to not shoot the offense in the foot. Can Florida win this game with dominant run game and dominant defense? We'll talk about that next with Brandon Olson here on Locked on SEC. But first, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Look, uh, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. They're going to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We're getting towards the back end of the year. A lot of people are going to be do se- doing seasonal hiring for the holidays and all like stuff like that. You want to make sure you're finding the people that suit your needs for your job, and that's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in. Uh, again, simple tools up there on the website, screening questions, making it easier for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering high, uh, quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Go post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, continue on here with Brandon Olson of Locked on Gators. And uh, Brandon, uh, again, Florida opening the season tonight with uh, Utah out in Utah. And one of the big things I think could be a strength of this Gators team, we saw it last year, we saw it in the spring game, and I just, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what Florida's doing in the run game, 
and that is with the running backs Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne. We saw both of them in this game a year ago. Johnson had 75 yards and a touchdown. Etienne had 64 rushing yards. So uh, two very dynamic big body backs. Florida's kind of rebuilt this offensive lineup. Um, talk about what to expect tonight in that run game. Uh, a lot of Paris. That's, that's, that's exactly what I'm expecting. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the bread and butter for Florida. You know, last year, Trevor Etienne had a strong game against Utah. Didn't get a ton of carries because it was his first game, and I don't think anybody expected him to burst onto the scene onto the scene the way he did. But I think when you look at Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, and this revamped offensive line, yeah, it, there's plenty of question marks to have along the offensive line. I've always said I don't care which five roll out there. I know they can run block. Pass protection, completely different story. But I know they can all run block. And so when you have Montreal Johnson as the the thunder and Trevor Etienne as the lightning there, you're going to have a good rushing attack. Yes, last year, part of the reason the rushing attack was so good was having Anthony Richardson because not only could he run, but you also had to respect him as a runner and so just made their rushing attack so much more lethal. But I think Montreal Johnson is... They're both great backs, I think Montrell Johnson's the better back right now. I think he's a better, just well-rounded, all-around, inside-out kind of guy. And I think that last year, or not even think, I know, last year Utah had struggles tackling both of these guys. We'll see if they're about it this year or not, but if they're not, then Montrell and Trevor, who Trevor looks better than he did last year based on fall camp, which we'll see if that's indicative of him or this Gators run defense. But he looked better in fall camp, and so I think when you have those two backs, which is one of the best running back duos in the country, yeah, there, there's plenty to be optimistic about if you're a Gator fan. Yeah, and I, I keep saying my, my goal for Florida is if it's a successful season, I think they're top five rushing in the SEC this year. And, and you know, I don't know if maybe both guys are just equal in terms of carries and yardage and all that, but uh, as a team, I think Florida's got to be top five in the league in rushing. Uh, one thing that's very encouraging we saw throughout the spring and, and all fall camp, Brandon, is this defense seems to be improved from last year. And it's crazy to say all it took was a new D.C. And Austin Armstrong, everything we heard was right when he got uh, on campus in the spring was instant just um, – you know, motivation, uh, energy, all that he brought and infused to this defense. Again, don't want to take too much out of the spring game, but we saw a much more aggressive Florida defense. Uh, what can we expect from this Florida defense starting tonight? They're they're going to be incredibly aggressive. Um, they're going to be about as aggressive as I am towards Utah fans. Like, that. that's what we're <laughs> talking about now. Because that's the thing where you talk about the spring game. There were people complaining, like, oh, why are they blitzing so much? Here's the fun part. They weren't. They, they were running stunts. They were running creepers, the sim pressure. They were generating pressure without selling out their back end, which has always been the point under Austin Armstrong. Last year, Patrick Tony, he had his quarters covered. He had creepers. He called cover three a lot. You're going to see a lot of the same things on the back end, except your front is going to be way more aggressive. And you got Princely Uman Mielin up on that picture. And, I mean, we're talking about a big year for him. He's going to be playing that Jack linebacker. Last year he played F, so he was the defensive end. But now he gets to be the Jack linebacker. His primary goal, get after the quarterback. He's going to be dropping in coverage every now and then. But that's part of the whole that, – that's part of selling what kind of crazy pass rush you're going to have. You have to have him be a threat there, and he looks much improved. I know I've, t- I've told this story a billion times by now. In the senior bowl this past January, February, like that week – I had people who work in the NFL telling me, hey, 33 was the best defender on that team last year, including 
second round pick Javon Dexter, including Ventrell Miller, including Amari Bernie, all those guys. Prince Leumann Malin was the best. He's back for another year in Gainesville. He looks much improved. And this time he's going to have a better all-around supporting cast around him, hopefully creating more one-on-ones. Utah's probably starting a true freshman tonight um, at offensive tackle. So Princely's, I mean, he's going to be the X factor here, but this is going to be an incredibly aggressive defense all year long. That was going to be my next question is, you know, who who could be the X factor on that defense? You know, I just saw the the highlight uh, the other day in the preseason, uh, Jervon Dexter already, you know, turning heads in preseason NFL. Uh, Is there a guy on that D line that you think really, I mean, Cam Jackson, I know is the one everybody's excited about. Yeah, yeah, Cam's going to be, I think, the guy, especially when you look at this Utah game, like they're going to try to run the football. And Cam Rising's big dude coming up from Memphis. It's going to be very interesting because we, we were watching a guy go from the AAC coming up to the SEC, and that's a big jump. And I'm not the type to go, oh, yeah, he he did what he did in the AAC. In the AAC I don't care. Uh, might as well be the ACC. But he did what he did in the AAC, so I don't care. But – I, I think that it is definitely going to be a good point to bring up. Like, can you do it consistently at the next level? Congratulations on dominating, but can you do that in the SEC? Because the SEC is just different. So it's about stepping up there and, and making those plays consistently. But Cam, by all accounts, has impressed in his limited time in Gainesville. So hopefully he can carry that over. Just need him to stuff the run, and Utah's got a strong interior of their offensive line. So that's really going to be... This, this is going to be the biggest test for Cam Jackson up until we get to, what, Georgia? So this is going to be the time where Cam Jackson, like, like show up and start strong. And, yeah, he's definitely going to be a guy on the interior. And Shamar James, the second level, he's going to be replacing Amari Bernie as that will linebacker role. And Amari, good game against Utah last year, a couple pressures. He had the game-sealing interception off Cam Jackson in the end zone. And he made plays all year long. Shamar James, that's your time now. Uh, is there a pass catcher? We already talked offensively. We already talked about the running game. We talked about Graham Mertz. Is there a pass catcher you think has to have a big game tonight? Or is it simple to say that Ricky Parasol, he's that number one guy, and he's got to step up week in and week out for this team? It's going to be Ricky, especially against Utah, uh, mainly because Utah's got some change going on at their nickel spot from last season. And so for Ricky, they're going to be playing man defense. Utah loves playing cover one. So for Ricky Pearsall, it's hey, can you separate and can you pick up yards after the catch? Because we're going to need you to do that. And that's also Arliss Boardingham. Arliss is a wide receiver, tight end hybrid. Gators fans, don't call him Kyle Pitts. He's not even close to that style of wide receiver, tight end. If you're looking for that comp there, not talent-wise, but skill set-wise, he's way more likely or way more similar to Travis Kelsey as opposed to Kyle Pitts. He's a big body, going to work in the slot. Glorified tight end there. But he's going to be the the mismatch nightmare that this offense hasn't had since Kyle Pitts and is hopefully going to kind of breathe some life into this passing attack, especially with Graham Mertz, who historically loves throwing to the tight end. Yeah, unfortunately, Keon Zipper getting hurt this offseason. Unfortunate for him. Uh, Ricky Pearsall was the leading catcher in this game a year ago, four catches for 67 yards. All right, moment of truth, Brandon. This, this line opened much bigger uh, weeks ago. It, it's moved with the Cam Rising injury and all that. Uh, around six and a half, we're seeing it at FanDuel. Um, who are you taking tonight? Can Florida go into Utah and pull off the upset? I think they can. I think they will. Regardless, even if they lose, I'm taking Florida to cover the spread because I think no matter who wins, it's going to be a very close game like we saw last year. I just think that both these teams, they want to run the ball. They want to kill the clock. They want to do these things where 
it's going to be a close game. Like neither of these teams are the type to really get blown out. That's just not their style of football. Unless of course, Florida starting their third quarterback in the Las Vegas bowl, then sure. But for the most part, neither of these teams are going to get blown out. I don't care if it's cam or Bryson, Utah's not getting blown out. Florida not getting blown out. So it's going to be a close one. I'm taking Florida to cover the spread and I will let you know, I did take Florida to win and I did parlay that with under 46 and a half. So I know where I'm at. I've had that set for a while now. So that's where I land on, on Florida. I think they win. Even if they don't, it's going to be a close game. Yeah. I I think if I'm betting tonight, obviously I'm going to take the value in Florida as the underdog, get a little money on them to win it straight up. But if I'm going with my head, man, it's Utah at home, Napier, we know this tough schedule, uh, pressure's on them, but I don't know. I think I'm leaning Utah tonight, but would love to see uh, the Florida Gators go in there and pull off an upset. Look, a bunch of people in the SEC are root, rooting conference pride tonight, right? Like, we want to see the Gators win this one. Uh, Brandon, uh, thanks so much for the time, man, as always. McNeese up next, and then a big game against Tennessee in two weeks. We'll get you back on to preview that one because that is a monster, monster game in week three. He is Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. Thanks so much for the time, man. Thank you. More right after this. Run along here on Locked On SEC, and as we look ahead to this weekend, one of the biggest games happening is South Carolina and North Carolina, and joining us to talk about it is our buddy Andrew Lyon, host of uh, Locked On Gamecocks and uh, covering South Carolina over there. Andrew, uh, thoughts on this game? I know you've hyped it up, or we've hyped it up, talked about it all summer, and it's finally here. Yeah, Chris, absolutely. It is certainly a really big game here for South Carolina. Uh, the biggest real season opener they've had in several years. I think the last time the season opener got hyped up this much for the Gamecocks was back in 2017 when the Gamecocks took on NC State, ironically enough, in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. So this is certainly a really big opportunity here for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. It's a chance for them to sort of validate what they did at the end of the 2022 season, knocking off, of course, top 10 teams in the Tennessee Volunteers and the Clemson Tigers, and then having a very respectable outing in what was a highly contested battle against Notre Dame in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl in December. And so for the Gamecocks, you know, it does sort of feel like that there's a little bit of inherent pressure on them, but also it kind of does seem like that the national landscape, they're sort of looking for the Gamecocks to do a little bit more. They want to get a little bit more respect. And so Shane Beamer in South Carolina, again, really big opportunity here in Charlotte. Talk a little bit about what uh, what to expect from the quarterbacks in this one. Obviously, Drake May versus Spencer Rattler. Drake May gets all the, um, you know, Heisman buzz, I guess you'd say, and future top five draft pick next year in the draft. But Spencer Rattler, a real chance for him to win those NFL scouts that were in his corner a couple years ago to win them back over. Yeah, for sure. Spencer Rattler heading into this game, he's going to be going up against a North Carolina defense that, uh, quite frankly, Chris, has stunk for the last several years, have not really been good in any area, and that was especially the case last season under new defensive coordinator Gene Chizik. Uh, couldn't really stop the pass very well. I don't think they were really good stopping the run either. And so for Spencer Rattler, he's going to have a chance to really take control of this game. And all the buzz coming out of Columbia this offseason has been that new offensive coordinator Dow Loggins and Spencer Rattler, they have both been uh, simpatico, if you would say, when it comes to this new offensive system that they have got going over there. The offense has been streamlined for Spencer Rattler. It feels like that's a little bit more catered to his strengths. And Rattler, based on how he's been talking to the media during fall camp, 
He loves this offense and how it is set up for him. So now he's got a great opportunity to make things happen. And again, you know, North Carolina with what they have done or what they haven't done on defense in the past couple of years is a great opportunity for him to go out there and show people, hey, you know, I deserve some talk. I deserve maybe some talk when it comes to the NFL and being maybe a high end draft pick. So certainly a big time storyline to watch this battle between him and Drake May on Saturday night. Yeah, it's funny. I had somebody ask me, they said, uh, you know, I was hyping up Drake May and uh, they said, yeah, name five more North Carolina players. I was like, well, Josh Downs went off to the NFL draft. Like all the guys I knew, they all, they're all gone now. So it was a good argument. I'm like, Hey, Drake May, it's all on you, man. I can name a ton of South Carolina players. And uh, what do you make of some of the guys who've been banged up? I know Juice Wells, big expectations for him, but he's been banged up. And Shane Beamer says he expects him to go on this one. Uh, Nicholas Harbor, Nick Harbor, the big five-star recruit that everybody was talking about. I know he was a little banged up. Where, where are we health-wise with all those guys? So according to Shane Beamer, both of those guys are going to be good to go for Saturday's game between South Carolina and North Carolina. Juice Wells has not really been a full participant throughout the majority of fall camp. But he apparently did return to practice on Monday based on what Beamer said at his weekly press conference on Tuesday afternoon earlier this week. And so, honestly, Chris, in my opinion, Juice Wells is going to play, but I still feel like he's not quite 100%. I feel like in this game that you're going to need Xavier Leggett to step up a little bit more and Amari Brown to step up and a couple of those guys behind them. And some fans were thinking maybe Nicholas Harper from the get-go could be one of those guys. But Harper, of course, is still making that transition full-time over to the wide receiver spot, so he's certainly still learning the nuances of that position. And it doesn't hurt, or excuse me, it does hurt the fact that he hasn't been healthy himself. So both of those guys will be available, but I think that you'll see a little bit more of the burden on the other guys, Xavier Leggett, Amari Brown, and also an Omega Blake, a guy that apparently has really been uh, coming on strong throughout fall camp based on what Spencer Rattle and some of these other guys have said about him. O-line and D-line. Uh, were my biggest concerns, still my biggest concerns for South Carolina. How concerned should I be about either? Offensive line, I still think it's fair to have a lot of questions about that unit. Uh, that group is certainly going to look vastly different uh, compared to the one that South Carolina rolled out in 2022. I think every single player is going to be a new starter for this team. Obviously, Jalen Nichols is sort of the name that everybody has gravitated to this offseason after he got hurt in the spring game. He's going to miss the majority of this season. So now you're just looking for guys to step up. And when the depth chart got released on Monday, Shane Beamer had the dreaded oars listed on that depth chart. I know you know very well this whole point uh, at both offensive tackle spots. So it still seems like that there's some competition going on there. It could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, depending on how you view it. I don't think it's terrible necessarily, but I'm also not going to spout extreme confidence in that group. And then defensively, I feel like the defensive tackle group's getting grouped in too much with this edge position group. I love that defensive tackle group. I think they're very talented. Tonka Hemingway is the big name to watch out of that position group. But certainly still fair to ask some questions about the edge spot. There's a lot of unproven guys there. Jordan Strawn comes back up a torn ACL. How does he look in his first game back in almost 12 whole months? And you've also got a bunch of transfers. Jatias Gear, Drew Tuazama from UAB that they just had a couple of weeks back that they could rely on in this game. So certainly a lot of unknowns, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Again, when you go up against a team like North Carolina week one, that also has their fair share of question marks in the trenches. Uh, what do we see from the run game? Is it going to be Juju McDowell, DK Joyner? Who's going to be the, the guy, like 
if I say leading rusher Saturday night on the South Carolina Gamecocks, who is it? I'm going to go DK Joyner, Chris. DK Joyner has put in a lot of work since spring practice began earlier this offseason and sort of the time when everybody started to realize that, hey, you know, this move to running back might be a full-time move for him, and that ended up being the case. He has since, I believe, added 13 to 16 pounds of muscle. He's now listed at 229 pounds. He's still going to possibly return some kicks this fall for South Carolina as well. And from what all we've heard from Shane Beamer and this staff, the transition, um, it couldn't have gone any better, honestly, considering the circumstances. Now, does that mean DK Jordan is going to rush for 100-plus yards in almost every game he plays? Probably not, especially when you consider, again, everything going on with that offensive line in front of him and the questions they got to answer. But I think DK Joyner, with what he can do in the backfield, running the football, and also how he can catch the football out of the backfield, I think he's going to be a big-time weapon potentially for South Carolina on Saturday night against North Carolina. Andrew, uh, always good to catch up, man. Uh, moment of truth. Give me uh, who wins and why. South Carolina, and it's pretty simple because everybody's breaking down this matchup and they're talking about Drake May too much. <laughs> I know Drake May's a great quarterback. I have a lot of respect for that kid. He will certainly be a first-round draft pick if all things go well for him. But I am not impressed with the majority of North Carolina's roster beyond him. I feel like South Carolina's just got a lot more really solid players on that squad, and I think they're just a much more well-rounded football team when you count in defense and the improvements they could make and also special teams. If it does come down to a score or two, special teams could very well be the difference maker. And if that's the case, you're going South Carolina all the way. So I've got South Carolina winning week one against North Carolina. There you have it. Uh, North Carolina, two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think I'm going with you, Andrew. I'll take South Carolina in the upset. Um, I'm with you, uh, Shane Beamer, he finds ways to win games like this and uh, all the pressure and everything that's mounting, I think uh, I think the Gamecocks get it done. Andrew Lyon, of course, host of Locked on Gamecocks. Thanks so much for the time, man. Thank you, Chris. All right, that's uh, going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC, wherever you find your podcasts.